Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on Apple Podcasts. Dumpty 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 Dum, Dumpty Dumpty Dum, Dumpty Dumpty Dum, Dumpty Dumpty Dum. Hello, this is Dumpty Dum, a podcast about the archers and the goings-on in Ambridge. I'm Jacqueline Berto, who is not feeling very evangelical about meat. And I'm the Crown Prince Squash, who is Stephen Bowden. And then there's you, our lovely Dumpty Dummers, who are the cosy sardines in our podcasting world. Welcome to Dumpty Dum. This is a show about our favourite country village. Now, this week's episodes of The Archers were written by Katie Hims, who was the scriptwriter who adapted Lark Rise for The Archers crew. This week, we have calls from... Pip from Thornton Heath, who is thinking about joy. Tracy from California, who is giving Helen the thumbs up. Well, sort of. Glyn, who, like some others, spotted the salmon-shaped slip-up from Jacob. Biffo Prop, Richard gives us a chunk of info about Stir Up Sunday. Christine from the Clyde Coast, who says thank goodness for Jim. And finally, Catherine, who is worried about kitchens and cottages. Plus, we have The Week in Ambridge by Rob, a roundup of the Dumpty Dum Facebook group by Witherspoon, and three Twitter gongs from Theo. Before we start chatting on too much, let's remind ourselves what happened this week with a roundup of The Week in Ambridge coming this week from our, the much nicer, Rob. Hello Dumpty Dummers around the world, Rob here with a roundup of the last week in Ambridge. I suppose the biggest news of the week was that Rob Titchener had finally died. I have to admit that I had a Highlander flashback and thought, there can be only one. I suppose this means that all the various conspiracy theories will also be laid to rest. Having said that, there was some discussion about whether the time of death was significant. Personally, I just think it means that the year 2109 is when people will finally stop talking about it. Meanwhile, Adil was on his allotment. He was chatting with his sister, Azra, about how guilty he felt about sinking Grey Gables before it was even launched. Azra managed to shine a light on a small inconsistency that had been rattling round the social. Was Saba Adil's wife or fiancé? Turns out that Adil and Saba were engaged, but that is somehow lesser. Azra also said that she had applied for a position at the local surgery. For some reason, Adil thought that he should have been consulted about. It's Brian's 80th birthday, and he celebrates by going into work because retirement is unheard of in Ambridge. As is so often the way in this village, 
He really just fancied a quiet pint or two to celebrate, but other people decided he needed his house turning into Party Central. There is a ruffling of Kate's feathers when it turns out that Brian has had the audacity of making a female friend during 80 years on her. I mean, who hasn't been friends with a Tiller girl? I know I am. The party is a roaring success despite Freddie handing out awful samples. Helen comes up because she wants to forget about recent events, so, naturally, everyone takes it in turns to come up and remind her of them. Still, Brian makes a moving speech about how he misses Jenny Darling and the dancing resumes. The next day saw Miles unexpectedly turning up at Bridge Farm. Despite being neck-deep in admin, Helen drops everything and goes for a walk. Miles wanted to paint Rob in a positive light, despite him now believing what Helen had said in court, under oath. He also had to come to fulfil Rob's dying wish. Yes, the one he neglected to mention to Helen while he was literally trying to get her to help him die. Apparently, he wanted his wedding ring to become an heirloom. Unfortunately, Helen thought Miles had said a plane and flung it across a field. There was also a lot of hungover chat about why Paul is going out with Etienne when it's obvious he fancies Rory. I'm not sure whether my mother would have had that sort of conversation, but Denise was okay with it. Unfortunately, Josh is once again whining about Denise still staying at the stables, despite the fact that he's not being desperately inconvenienced and does seem to now have a living housekeeper. Midweek saw Helen doing a spot of shopping. Just like the rest of us, this ended up with a lost card and a smashed jar of mayo. However, this was indicative of Helen's state of mind rather than just being an awkward bugger like when I... Fortunately, it was Jim's turn in the shop and he was able to empathise with Helen at a moment over some tea and biscuits. It must be getting near to Christmas as Stella and Brian were chatting when Ed rolls up asking if there's any room for his sheep at their inn. Stella's first response is to say no, but Brian is more thoughtful. Most times you'd think that Brian is just being neighbourly, but, well... This is Brian we're talking about. Oliver is pinning his hopes on the sale of bits of Grange Farm to save Grey Gables. Meanwhile, Adil has found a restaurant that is closing down because no one's ever heard of it, and he is keen to get the kitchen fixtures and fittings. Distraught by the thought of a second-hand kitchen, he enhances in his notice and walks off. Just as yesterday saw Helen and Jim bonding over shared experiences, so Oliver and Adil found that they had something in common and could, in future, support each other so that this particular storyline can be quietly forgotten about. Brian and Oliver were chatting to give Brian the opportunity to put the Natasha storyline to bed. Brian did take the opportunity to give Oliver a hard time over trying to get enough money to save his hotel, rather than giving Brian a good deal. Tom turns up with flowers for Helen as an apology for saying something that everybody was going to know within the hour anyway. She complains that she's a rotten mother because she ordered a pizza for tea. wonder where she'll be ordering it from. Surely Ian's lobster, rocket and mango chutney pizzas can't be that healthy. Ian and Adam are ruminating over Ian going back to Grey Grables just so that he can play with the kitchen stuff bought from La Femidom or whatever it was called. And then along comes a tiddly Ed Grundy who has been told all the frankly obvious reasons why he can't just pop his sheep into a corner of one of the home farm fields. He then launches into his family song a lament about how the rich keep his family oppressed and it's nothing whatsoever to do with generations of corner-cutting and incomp means they have, quite literally, lost the farm. And that's it for this week. Hopefully next week things will be back to normal. In the meantime, have a good time. See you all soon. Bye now. Cool. Thank you for that, Rob. That was a long one, but I think you got every item of the week, including the funny little things that I noticed in. Thank you very much. So dare I ask you how your week's been, Stephen? My week has been a week of kitchen fitting, at least once the kitchen arrived on Wednesday. 
the house is now absolutely full. It's not just the kitchen in the kitchen. A lot of the kitchen is still in the, the sitting room behind me and, and considerably in inconveniencing me. Luckily, I can just about make in, enough space to get to the computers to do this sort of recording <laughs> and, and the editing later. But it has been pretty chaotic. However, it is taking shape and the, the lower level units are gradually being put in place because on Wednesday of this coming week, they're coming to template the worktop, which is mm -hmm. the next big event. So they need everything that's underneath the worktop in place so they can work out exactly where everything goes. And then it'll take them a week to, to make the worktop and they'll then bring that back. And that will be nearly everything done apart from the splashbacks. But Sounds like it's going on a bit too long for me. Well, it'll be five weeks by the time they're done, which is quite a, a long time yeah. to be without a kitchen. I remember you said oh. that at the beginning, and I thought at the time, blimey, if it's five weeks without a kitchen is a heck of a long time. So I'm happy ordering pizza on the occasions without any guilt trip at all. <laughs> no, you aren't a guilty. You can't guilt trip. The cat can't even guilt trip you, can she? <laughs> no, and the cat, but the cat does not get any pizza, however much no. she asks for it. Oh, uh, right. I'm sure she tries anyway, so... <laughs> How about you anyway, Jacqueline? How well, well, week has, was a normal kind of week, but um, I had a bit of bad news in that um, my trip to Uzbekistan planned for Christmas was finally cancelled. It was one of those tours where there had to be a certain number of people. And apparently there were only three weirdos in France that wanted to go to Uzbekistan for Christmas and New Year. And um, we were two of them, but so they cancelled it. But we're not too disappointed because now we have now got lovely Air France flights to Los Angeles and are leaving on the 15th of December for three weeks in California. We're going to meet Angus, our newly born grandson. So that's even more exciting, really. So it's a, a, a news of two halves. <laughs> and that means you'll be recording episodes of Dumpty Dum while you're there at about one o'clock in the morning. Indeed, it will. Although I think that first day, because I'll probably be arriving at my son's house in San Diego about the time when we're normally recording having been traveling for 18, 19 hours. So I think we might have to find somebody else to sit in for me on the 16th, which is actually 16th of December. Gosh, I must remember this in the flurry of traveling. That's Mr. B's big 75th birthday. Oh, right. Very significant day. Exactly. So there we go. Right. But, You're not, uh, not going to be able to have a, a, a huge party in a tiny cottage. No, no. But we are very cozy sardines. I think we better get on with these calls. Hello, Pusscat. First up, we have a call from Pip. Hello, Dumpty Dum Land. It's Pip here from Thornton Heath with a horrible cold. So sorry for my husky voice. I wanted to put in a comment this week regarding joy. I'm messaging on Monday, having listened to your lovely podcast today. And obviously last week, Joy was fantastic and we all loved her for what she did. But there was one little comment that Pat made that kind of triggered me a bit. And that was about, your daughter must be very lucky to have you. And, and Joyce said, yes, thank you. Or smiled it off in a reaction. And it, it goes back to how long has Joy been in the story now? Like two, three years, maybe something like that since she moved. And Rochelle, I think her name is, was all comment, 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 Rochelle this and Rochelle that and Rochelle this. And I thought finally we were going to get to the point where we were going to get the big reveal of either... Rochelle does not talk to Joy or, or Rochelle passed away and she's not quite got to grips with that or something. There's something not quite fitting there and we haven't quite had the revelation yet. And I'm just wondering if we're going to see that in the early point of 
2024, because I think it's about time we unpack Joy a little bit and learn more about what's gone on in her life and her past relationships and her children and, and so forth. I think that would be really good because she's a great character and we all love her. So it would be nice to have a little time, a time spent on her. Okay, I'm going to go have a lip sip now. Have a great week, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you for that call, Pip. And I hope that your cold is better by now. You do sound did sound a bit husky by the end of that call. And yes, Rochelle was mentioned a lot when Joy first arrived. And then it's all gone a bit quiet on, on the Rochelle front. But I think that was setting us up for some future point that we would find out more about it and exactly what went on. I think we heard something to the effect that when Joy split up with her husband, Rochelle's father, Rochelle took his side over hers. But given how lovely Joy appears to be, we don't really know why that is. We don't know any of the circumstances of that. And it could well be that the sudden return of a mention of Rochelle uh, and several people asking about it means that we are due to have that story coming up. We'll have to see, I guess. But yes, definitely something that has been set up, ready to be delivered at some point. But then, of course, sometimes things are set up and never delivered, like the Gill family who bought yeah. Home Farm. There's lots of odd ends that we've never found out about. And yeah, Re Rochelle is one of the stories that we've all been curious about because, as you say, she was she, Joy talked about her all the time. But I have a feeling, yeah, as you say, we know that she took her father's side. I seem to have a vague idea that it was a conversation with Tony. Now, I could be completely wrong on that. But, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. And I think it's about time now. We've had a long time of Joy. And we know that Joy is a wonderful person to have around and a brilliant neighbour for Helen. And support for Pat as well. And a voice of reason. So now we need to have more of her story. and Or at least even have Mick around a bit so she's got a bit of company sane company rather than the mad neighbors and yes pip i second Stephen's call i do hope your cold feels better because you sound very croaky next up it's tracy from california okay tracy from california here first of all i want to say good riddance to rob yeah he's dead he's a fake person but even if he was real good riddance to bad rubbish as the phrase goes and i do have to give helen her props for throwing that ring I'm like, all right, maybe we're going to start seeing some real gumption from Helen because that was fabulous. It was hilarious when she was all like, you should think about going to therapy. I was like, pot, do you know you were pot calling the kettle black? <laughs> you cannot. That's a, not a hill you can stand on or whatever the phrase is, however the phrase goes. Anyway, I wish, though, she had thrown the ring in the am or sewer or something so it would be lost forever. With our luck, Rex will cook it while he's fishing for cotton chips or whatever he does in his imaginary lake land or something more like a chicken chokes on it on i can imagine like the news like a chicken chokes on an ugly wedding band next on borsetshire news at 11. matter of fact now that i'm bringing it up for a town filled with elderly people there's very little news soap opera game show or dancing with the stars watching going on which is very weird to me <laughs> i just thought about that anyway back to the show i'm glad to see certain things happening and Yakov asking Helen if she had tasted the salmon after she's, he was told she didn't want to talk about her dead, crazy, abusive ex-husband was hilarious. Anyway, I enjoyed the show this week and I'm celebrating the demise of Rob and bravo to the character who played Rob because he did a really good job playing the villain. So anyway, have a good week. Toodles. <laughs> Toodle pip, Tracy. 
yeah, thanks for your call. Enthusiastic as always. Yeah, good riddance to bad rubbish. A very good way of saying goodbye to Rob Titchener. And yeah, absolutely fantastic job by Timothy Watson. Absolutely fantastic. And there was that great Radio Times article that somebody shared onto our Facebook page. And Stephen has an audio version that he's made for our friends that have sight problems. So if you want to have a copy for yourself to listen to, get in touch with one of us and we'll send it to you. So Tracy, I want to go to the old people suggestion not watching TV. I've always wondered about this. This is a BBC production and the BBC have fabulous productions on TV. I always wonder why they don't do a bit of free advertising for things like Strictly or something like that because everybody that I know, most people I don't know in person, but (laughs) people that I know talk about Strictly or Bake Off or whatever, you'd think that occasionally there'd be some kind of a side conversation but I suppose it's story-led and that's just kind of general chit-chat. We don't have general chit-chat in the Archers, do we? There's not usually room for chit-chat that doesn't go anywhere. And of course, the, the programme is recorded weeks or so in advance. And the, the last thing you want to happen is for there to be a change to the schedules. And so they're talking about something which hasn't actually happened. Yeah, so true I think enough. they have to be yeah. a bit careful about that. We don't even know what they're going to watch, because if you remember at the end of the week, Henry and Helen were sitting down to watch a film. Yeah. And and we never found out what film it was going to be. We found that they'd found the... The remote. Remote. The remote control, yeah. If only this was uh, television, we were we were doing this on YouTube, Stephen. People would see me not knowing what a remote is called and making the, the sign for it. Uh, it's a telecommand in French, if anybody should need to know that. Yeah, so uh, Tracy's talked about the salmon. But I think we might leave that because we have a very interesting call from Glyn, who also talks about the salmon, don't we? Yes, and that, in fact, is going to be our next call. Hello, Dumpty Dum. It's Glyn here, calling in on a Thursday night. The first thing that strikes me about the archers this week is that the fish finger butty last Friday was not meant to symbolise the end of Helen's troubles. And, of course, it was another fish that illustrated that on Monday at Brian's party, it was the salmon. Jacob asking her if she had she liked the salmon. And of course, it was in that very cottage that I think, was it Kirsty and Helen actually bought provisions for the housewarming party? Certainly, the salmon was the centerpiece of Jess and Rob's housewarming party in Blossom Hill Cottage. And Jakob asking Helen that question must have brought that night back to her at that moment. Then we had the very moving conversation, really, with Jim in the village shop on Wednesday. And I hope that is a turning point now in the Helen storyline. And then tonight, Thursday, we had Ardil having a similar-ish conversation with Oliver, admitting his vulnerability and the reasons for it. Obviously, to Oliver, who will have understood having lost Caroline, obviously at a somewhat later stage in life, but also well before her time, so to speak. Anyway, that's all from me. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you, Glyn, for that call. And yes, the salmon, a lot of people picked up on that particular reference. What happened at the time was that Jess had arrived in the village, moving into Blossom Hill Cottage with Rob, much to... Helen's disappointment because of course she had started what turned out to be an affair with Rob because I think she hadn't realised that 
he was still married to begin with. And Jess decided to throw a party and it was a fantastic episode. It was one of those episodes where everything takes place in the same scene that you're not cutting between two different storylines. Helen and Kirsty turn up with provisions for the, the party, nibbles and so forth, I think from the bull possibly. And they were only going to deliver it and then get away because Helen couldn't bear to be there. And Jennifer dragooned them into helping stuff out to the guests. Jennifer was totally oblivious to the real tension between Jess yeah. and Rob. And the salmon was something, that wasn't something that Helen had brought. That was something that Jess had spent the whole afternoon doing. It was one of these poached salmon where you then decorate the fish with thin slices of cucumber and lay them out to look like scales on top of the And fish. wasn't it poached in Jenny, Jennifer's second best fish kettle? Yes, she'd borrow the fish kettle to do the poaching. My mother used to, to do this as a dinner party dish, and it, it does look very spectacular. And there's loads of mayonnaise around it, so it's salmon, mayonnaise, and cucumber, and it, it can be really nice. And it sat there in the centre of the table, and nobody touched it through the entire party. Quish. And it just sits there. And then at the end, when all the guests had gone, mostly gone very early, because I guess they were picking up on the atmosphere in the place, as they were tidying it away, the salmon was dropped on the floor. I think Jess dropped the salmon on the floor. Rob came in and, and berated her for it, but then had to control himself because Jennifer was present. But you've got a real idea of just how unpleasant Rob could be during that and how terrified I think Jess was throughout and making all these desperate attempts to have a good time, have a good party and so forth, and constantly being undermined by Rob. It was quite an excruciating listen. You might have gathered from this level of detail that I went back and re-listened well, to I, that episode. I was thinking that you must have done, but which is brilliant. I never know how to go back and listen to things. I seem to spend hours trawling trying to find the episode that I want to listen to, so I give up in the end. The way to do it, there is a, there's a YouTube channel under the name of Tom Archer, which is the one that I use. Ah, right. It, it has all the omnibuses. What you need to do is work out when the omnibus was broadcast. So even yeah. if you've got a date for the episode you're interested in, you then have to say, well, what day of the week was that? And therefore, what was the next Sunday after that, the omnibus? And then you can then search for it by date within that channel. And I'm sure I'm sure the Dumpty Dummers might be interested in going back as well. I know that a few people that have recently joined have said on the Facebook group that they've gone back and listened to the original Rob storyline to fill in the feeling and quite horrified. One one person, I can't remember who it was, sorry, it was that they were quite horrified by it. So yeah, I don't, that's my problem as well. I don't know whether I want to fall onto a bad episode. An interesting episode like that sounds fantastic, but others. Yes, often you go back and in between the scenes from the storyline you're interested in, you pick up other things, which, which sort of puts you back into your, so there are other things going on. So when Helen was in being locked up on remand, that was at the same time that Justin and Lillian were first getting together and Justin was having real problems with Miranda. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, very good. I also, quite by accident, I came across all the old Dumpty Dums on Spotify. That's also another good way of getting a point of view of our listeners. And, of course, with lots of different people presenting as well, so you get a different feel for it. But lots of Lucy and Royfield from the beginning, which is great. So I would recommend as well if people want to go back and listen to something other than the Archers, go back to go to Spotify and find Dumpty Dum. More than five hundred episodes now. Yeah, brilliant. We've passed that uh, landmark this year. Somehow we forgot at the time. Let's go on to our our next call, and this one is about 
one of my favorite landmarks of the Archers year. Hello, everybody. Richard Beveridge here, prop on the Twitters. From memory, the podcast would drop on Sunday the 26th, which is Stir Up Sunday. Hurrah. The day doesn't actually get its name from any form of stirring the pudding. It's from the Book of Common Prayer. The Collect for Sunday, the last Sunday before Advent, begins, Stir up, we beseech thee, O Lord, the wills of thy faithful people. On the other side of the aisle, the final Sunday of the liturgical year, is the Feast of Christ the King, which was moved in 1970 from October to the last Sunday of ordinary time, thus bringing the liturgical year to a close. The earliest date when Christ the King or Stir Up Sunday can occur is the 20th of November, and the latest is the 26th, as it is this year. This gives us four Sundays of Advent, this year beginning on December the 3rd, the Feast of St. Francis Saviour, and ending with the fourth Sunday of Advent on December 24th. Advent 2023 is as short as it can be. This Sunday's psalm is the 23rd, The Lord is My Shepherd, where we'll have some very good, useful advice for Ed as he seeks green pastures for the Texels. Those who go to church for the first Sunday of Advent will also be aware of the uh, Advent crowns, which are blessed and lit, four candles, three violet, one pink. Parish priests across the nation channel their two Ronnies with references to four candles. While stirring the pudding, which contains 13 ingredients to represent Christ and his disciples, they're stirred east to west to represent the Magi, visiting Christ during the Nativity story. Stir up Sunday, a rather lovely liturgical tradition. I do hope you enjoy it. I hope the puddings are all in good form. Fond love to all, especially Philippa's dad. Tinkety-tock. Tinkety-tonk, Richard. Thank you for that. And we'll pass on your good wishes to Philippa's dad via Philippa. Stir up Sunday. Now, coming from the Methodist tradition, this is not something that rings any bells with me, although it was fascinating. And I especially like the two run to run his reference. I was also fascinated by the 13 ingredients. I had to go and have a look at different cookery books to find out if I had recipes with 13 ingredients. And most of them have got Several fewer or several more, depending on the date uh, of them. So there we go. Now, the last few years, I don't think they've, they've mentioned Stir Up Sunday, have they? We've missed it out. They did mention it last year. Ah, did they? they? To be fair, in 2020, there wasn't a Sunday episode. We were still at four episodes a week. Ah, right. So there, there was no episode on Stir Up Sunday. So it's not surprising they didn't mention it. But in 2021, they, yeah, they did not mention it at all. And what we did have on Stir Up Sunday itself was the Grundy renewal of vows thing with Alan getting drunk on Grundy cider, all uh. a very silly episode and a huge disappointment. And that was the first time there hadn't been a mention of it since 2017. And before that, it was mentioned every year, I think. I do not know whether it's mentioned in 2003 because I haven't been able to find a recording of Stir Up Sunday from 2003. And that level of detail isn't available in any of my sources. But last year, if you remember, there had been the row over Jill and her attitude towards Ben and his... Oh, uh, uh, yes. And Chelsea having an abortion and, and yeah. all that sort of stuff. So Jill had decamped to the bull and there was a conversation between Kenton and Jolene about the fact that Jill had taken over the bull kitchen for Stir Up Sunday and was yeah, busy making puddings that. and cakes. I mean, traditionally, it's been at Brookfield. We've heard it going on at Brookfield. So yeah. in the past 20 years, I think it's probably, it was at Brookfield about 11 times in, since 2000. It's been done at Glebe Cottage a couple of times, Willow Farm, Lower Loxley. There was one year, 2012, we didn't actually have live Stir Up Sunday, but Clary mentioned that Will and Nick were doing Stir Up Sunday with the kids. 
presumably it cost on the waiver. So that's yeah, so very constant, very yes, constant. It, it has been there every year, as I said, with, with one two exceptions, which is is pretty good. So the the big question for Sunday's episode, yeah, t- today's episode, as you're listening to this podcast, if you've listened on the day it comes out, will be where is Stir Up Sunday going to be marked within the village? And <laughs> there are any number of possibilities. It might be that Helen is prevailed upon. She might be doing it with Henry and Jack to normalise things. Yeah, might be. Yeah, that's a good plan. Yeah, it um, might. We could hear joy, joy, joy with Helen, perhaps. Yeah, a Beechwood, Beechwood Star Up Sunday, or it could be Stella and Pip could be doing Star Up Sunday together. Ooh. Or could <laughs> Stella and Pip be doing it with Jill? Yeah, with, with Jill, or just to the two of them together. Yeah, or it could be maybe at the tea rooms, Natasha talking to Fallon and Emma about yeah. it. Who knows? Anyway, it's one of the great excitements is where is Stir Up Sunday going to be this year? You can see what a sad Archer's listener I am. I think that, it's that fascinating. I, I get my excitement from this sort of thing. Well, so where are you going to do Stir Up Sunday? Because you can't, haven't got a kitchen. This is the, the frustrating thing. I can't do anything about it at all because there is. I have no access to any sort of kitchen. and I can't go around and impose myself on anybody else. And besides, the ingredients that I've got are all hidden away in the cellar. And I'd have to go out and get a whole load of stuff. Yeah. And you've got nowhere to put them. I've got nowhere to put them. So next year, next year, I will do a proper stir up Sunday. Oh, well, we'll have to have a video for the Facebook page. A real stir up Sunday, <laughs> Shay Stephen. <laughs> and encourage people to say what they're doing for Stir Up Sunday on the Facebook page. So whatever you're doing today on Stir Up Sunday, tell us about it on the Facebook page. Be brilliant. I think those are our first few calls, but we've got a few more after this because we need to tell you something. As you are our lovely, loyal listeners, you'll have noticed that some changes have taken place in the Dumpty Dum world over the last six months. Well, the next great change is happening now, not as we speak, but as you're listening to this. We've decided to close down the Dumpty Dum website. So those of you that use it to access SpeakPipe will have to go directly to the SpeakPipe website and leave your message there. But the ever-expanding Facebook page is up and running at full pelt, and we encourage you all to join us there. Now, Stephen's going to tell you how you can join the fun and frolics, and the details are also in the show notes. The first option is to record a message or a plot prediction by going to www.speakpipe.com slash dumptydum, and don't forget that's a T in the middle. The next option is to send us a voice note or a message via WhatsApp on 07810012. 881. And if you're outside the United Kingdom, you'll obviously need to add a plus four four in front and remove that first zero. And please keep your call to a maximum of two minutes. And finally, we have an email address you can contact us on if you'd rather write to us with your views with a maximum of 250 words, please. And the email address is dumptydum at mail.com. And do bear in mind that you need to be at least 18 to take part and contribute. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Let's get back to our calls then, shall we? And next up is Christine. Hello, Jacqueline and Stephen and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. Christine from Copregan here. It's on the Clyde Coast in Scotland. All I want to say is thank goodness for Jim. Bye. <laughs> thank you for that call christine short sweet and the one that we i think we can all agree with jim was absolutely brilliant with helen who clearly was not as together as she perhaps thought she was dropping the mayonnaise struggling to find her cash card and so forth and i think just everything had got a bit too much for her and she hadn't realized quite how spun up she'd been yeah and in fact jim actually used that wonderful expression of discombobulated perfectly described how she was completely out of sorts and flapping and breaking mayonnaise everywhere yes i i think the impact of, of all of this on helen i've commented before that she seemed to be remarkably together uh, and had got on top of things was dealing with rob's return so much better than pat was for instance and there's been quite a lot of discussion about what she did with that ring when miles gave her the ring and i think it was almost the right thing to do to to just to chuck it away i think she might have got a greater feeling of satisfaction if she'd pulled together a fellowship and uh, gone off to the crack of doom and, and dropped it in there in the, in the <laughs> traditional after all if anywhere is the shire borsetshire is the shire so definitely uh, the inhabitants of ambridge are very much the hobbits of our day and uh, <laughs> i think with a bit of help from beyond the bypass i'm sure that they could have organized a trip down to mordor to or, or <laughs> London, perhaps, and dropped it into the crack of doom there, In, or something indeed, like that. it would be definitely. You need something more definite that just leaves a question in our curious minds as to when it will be found and where it will be found and by whom and blah blah blah. So, as we like to speculate, especially in Dum De Dum Towers. So, yeah. yeah. Now, the one <clears> thing about Jim is, I love the fact that when he was talking to Helen and talking about his abuser, Harold Jason, he said that he hasn't let the abuse define who he is. And Helen seemed to take that really to heart and thought, yeah, I can move on from here. We can only hope. We don't know. And of course, there is that whole thing about Miles and her telling Miles, have you thought of having therapy? Which is really as Tracy used that expression that I've been told off for using in the past. Helen was the worst person in the world to advise somebody to have therapy. Very curious, very good. I loved Jim this week, completely loved him. Still think he found, sounds a bit more wobbly than he used to, though. Yes, he. well, he is, he is quite old. I, I think we don't know exactly how no. old he is, but he, he's very much of Brian's sort of vintage, I think. And so we do need to keep an eye out. There are yeah. quite a few 
older people. We, we've lost several of the old, more agricultural characters, Bert and Joe, but the the more upper class. The professionals. The, the professionals, the, the professional farmers and so forth, so Brian, Jim, Oliver are still around, but they are getting old. And... Justin as well could go into that silver fox character. And Robert as well, actually. Yeah, that's a worry, isn't it? I think but that's going to be... He, that's, yeah, that's going to yeah. be, I think, sometime possibly before Christmas. Yeah. And I'm, I hate to say that I'm looking forward, but I, it'd be interesting to see how Linda copes with the loss of Robert. I do hope we lose him in the story following the death of the lovely Graham because if he just remains a silent character, the joy of Robert was his relationship, his verbal relationship with Lindy Botts and also with his kind of rivalry, not always friendly with Jim and such a great character. So personally, I'd prefer that they kill him off rather than put him in the silence cupboard. Yes, I think he deserves a proper ending rather than hanging around in the background in the silence cupboard. Yeah, yeah, me too. Let's move on to our final call, and this one is from Catherine. Hi everyone, middle of the night, thinking about kitchens in the arches. So Ian's overjoyed Friday's episode that actually there's new functional kitchens going in, not just a show kitchen. All our usual comments about where the hell has he been all the time while they've been putting in this kitchen that's so useless. So Stephen's having a new kitchen at the moment, I remember, and uh, we had one two years ago this Christmas, and it's hard work. It's a lot of tedious decision-making that you think in advance you're really going to enjoy, and actually in real life you're going, oh my God, we need tiles by tomorrow, because whatever. That's domestic setting. In a real-life setting, this seems the strangest storyline ever. Also talking of kitchens, Brian moved out of that tiny house they moved into when they sold the big house. He's moved into some sort of cottage. Can someone remind me who owned the tiny, who sounds like it was a modern house on an estate, that they hated so much? So what's happened to that? Because I am worried about Denise still being on the sofa after so long. It seems totally implausible. It'd be driving everyone mad. And lastly, Brian's party, that sounded just so good, didn't it? But Monday night, the buffet I wanted to have a look at because they kept talking about it. And I'd hoped that Brian was going to get together with Joy because I think... They'd really be fun together. This Natalia figure, where did they get these names from? Somebody in their 80s called Natalia would be quite niche, I think, in somewhere like uh, Ambridge. I don't think that's going to work. I want Brian and Joy, which would just be fantastic. I did also chuckle about Kate needing to calm down, the queen of calm and all that stuff, and she's not at all calm. So yeah, kitchens, help please. Have a great week. Thank you for that, Catherine. I was up in the middle of the night and I checked to see if you'd called in. I haven't. Then I was most surprised at two half, half hours later at five o'clock to discover your call had come in. But thank you for that. Keep us on our toes. Yeah. The housing situation with Denise is a big question, isn't it? Why is she there? Why is she there? been there for so long? I know Uncle Rufus. People know that fish and guests go off after three days. I think it's a funny situation. I didn't understand why Paul was at Brian's party and he went with Josh, but why? And then the conversation, the hungover conversations with Denise definitely gave us an insight into their relationship, which is something which I think is setting Denise up to be a, a more regular, permanent resident of Ambridge rather than just Paul's visiting mum or the quite silent or not very often heard of vet nurse. So she'll see. Yes, the party, so many strange things about party, mostly about the idea that you could fit that number of people into a three-bedroom cottage 
it was just the number of people. Once you put Freddie in there with his DJing equipment, because I imagine it's a couple of turntables. He doesn't just do CDs or digital tracks. It's going to be a couple of turntables, boxes of records, possibly some flashing lights. He was hoping to get some investment from Vince into his gear. And Vince just gave him, I think, a mixtape. I'm sure he's got lights as well. So trying to fit that into a tiny cottage along with all those people. There were some odd comments about why was Martin Gibson at the party? Yeah. Martin Gibson is somebody who works alongside Brian. They do know each other. If they, yeah. They're whiskey, think... whiskey swilling mates, aren't they? Exactly. It, the question of why Paul was at the party is far more weird because we don't think that Paul knows Brian particularly. And yet he was there presumably because he's fancies Rory, even though he's desperately pretending that he doesn't. Yeah, uh, true. And, and it's with his mate Etienne. And I'm sure Etienne is a much better idea than Rory. I, as I'm, I'm not a huge fan of Rory. I no. think he's an overprivileged, overentitled young man-child, and Paul could do a lot better. I did want to pick up on a few of the points that, that Catherine raised. In terms of the cottage Brian and Jennifer were in after they sold Home Farm House, that was Willow Cottage. It wasn't on an estate, but it was what had previously been the smaller half of Willow Farm, which was owned by the Tuckers. And so Roy owned, when the Tucker sold, they split it in half. They sold the small half of the Willow Cottage to a family called the Kemps, who then moved to Brussels initially for six months and then never seemed to come back. And then Brian and Jennifer moved in there. So initially they ran into problems because they were living right next door to, to Roy and Kirsty, who were living there. And I think very early on when pruning the hedges, Jenny managed to prune the internet connect to to the farm much to everybody's frustration and they really didn't get on to begin with because jennifer treated them as if they were less lesser people than her and brian didn't she say something to kirsty like speaking to your betters exactly that was yeah. very cringing another thing about that party that's two midweek parties in the last two weeks because yeah. both rory's party and brian's party were midweek which makes you wonder whether people actually do their jobs properly the next morning in, in Ambridge. And, and certainly with all those hangovers on a Tuesday morning. And was it Ben or no, Josh not Josh. Being work? Well, that's irritating. That that really irritated me, his attitude. when Even when Paul said, who's going to do your work on the farm? Oh, I've begged mum and dad and Pip. Well, how flipping irresponsible. This is he. That's another man-child attitude. Yeah. Now, the other thing that Catherine was talking about at the beginning was the kitchen story with Ian. Yeah. Now, that kitchen that Ardeal found at a greatly reduced, I think was it 20% of its original price. That was from the restaurant called La Femme du Monde. And I've double checked and it's femme, not fin. So it's woman of the world rather than end of the world, which mm -hmm. I think for a restaurant is possibly a, a slightly better title. And in the, in the week in Ambridge, Rob said nobody had heard of it. I, it has been mentioned a couple of times. So back in 2015, David and Ruth celebrated Pip getting a 2-1 by taking her to huh? La Femme du Monde. And then in May 2016, uh, Justin took Lillian there for a meal. I think it was while he was having tr trouble with Miranda uh, yeah. and Helen was out on remand and so forth. It was described as very posh. Oh, I see. If there is a very posh restaurant, it has to have a French name like Les Sœurs Heureuses and now Le, Le Femme du Monde. In fact, in France, it's a bit of a joke on a beachside cafe to call it Au bout du monde, which is like the end of the world. 
but so restaurants called the Fandemond would probably go down quite well really here. I've been curious this week. Sorry, do you want to say something else about kitchens? Because I no. want to say something about food. I was fascinated this week and I've made a list of the references. So the kitchen was quite a big thing. But I, I think we should probably call this episode Veg Talk, Stephen, because we talked uh, from the beginning of Sunday, the top of Sunday, we talked about medit- uh, veg box packing, the squashes, the allotment, crown the growing. Crown Prince squashes. Sorry? They're crown, crown Prince squashes. The Crown Prince squashes. I had to uh, Google that as well. They're very, they look, re- they're greyish green on the outside. Yeah. And are and really golden yellow in the inside. They, they look make fascinating. Fan- yeah, they make a really good pumpkin-style soup. Oh, lovely. Very nice. Uh, we meant, had mention of the sausage and sausage king. Freddie being evangelical about meat. Then there was the cosy sardines, the salmon. Natalie, who was in WI with... G- not Natalie. Natalia? No. Natalia, yes. Natalia, yeah. Uh, it was or, a, or, a, or possibly Nutella. Nutella, yeah, exactly. In in the theme. I think the writer was probably hungry this week when she wrote all this lot. Then we had the hangovers with the toast and the paracetamol. And then there were the biscuits that Jim had to pay for in the shop because Helen didn't buy them. Did I find something else? Oh, yeah, then it was more kitchen stuff and then the restaurants. And there was one other thing. Oh, it was the pizza. So every single day this week we had reference to foods and kitchens so as i say she's either on a strict diet and therefore fascinated what do you call it obsessed uh, obsessed yeah, absolutely obsessed by the thing. but i thought maybe it's just me that's noticing or maybe i'm just it's cold here now maybe i'm extra hungry but there was a lot of food in this week i'm noticing references to food because certainly to any, anything to do with cooking because i'm incredibly frustrated by the fact that oh it would be lovely to do that the Crown Prince squash. And I, I see these recipes for soup and, and it looks spectacular. I think, oh, it would be great to make one of those. And I've, I've no. got another couple of weeks before I'm going to be able to do that. Two and a half weeks more to go. Oh, don't we? We'll all be with you in January for a lovely meal, Stephen. So as there are so many members of our Facebook page, we've been not advertising too much because everybody will turn up. We'll be more than cosy sardines. I think those are all our calls though, aren't they? They are indeed. Yeah. And thank you, everybody, for calling in. We do absolutely love to hear from you. Otherwise, Stephen and I wouldn't have anything to talk about. Let's move on to our Facebook page. We, we have 2,500 very active, friendly and erudite members. And we need to give a very warm welcome to the newest 19 of them, who are Andrew Baker, Jane Parker, Dean Redfern, Alison Saltmarsh, Maxine Tyler, Jeff Mason, Shana Hollander, Julie Ferguson Tompkins, Barbara Bevan Hendley, Kim Bowyer, Peter Brown, Kit Cat, Ali Eldergill, Barbara Carrier, Claire Bennett, Hazel Woolley, Woo! Mamie Small, Anne Hollowell, and Chris Bagley. What has our Facebook group been talking about this week? Witherspoon is here with his review. Greetings, Dumpty Demers around the world. It's Woodspin and Angus Haggis here with this week's social media roundup. The week began with a death, and the Dumpty Dum community, beginning with Charlie Bird, expressed their relief. In fact, Lillian McCarthy led us in song. Ding dong, the titch is dead. Rub your eyes, get out of bed. Ding dong, the wicked titch is dead. However, Shirley Fran Ancy expressed anxiety. There is a funeral to come and a will to be read. The long reach of Rob will be with us for some time yet, I fear. 
Want to know more about Timothy Watson and his portrayal of Rob? Then read the Radio Times interview hosted by Laura Jackson. Of course, the Titchener saga did not end there. Miles knocked on Helen's door. They took a walk. He gave her Rob's wedding ring, and she chucked it away. I cheered her on with a, you go, girl. Jennifer Harris Hernandez noted that Helen was entering her riot girl phase, and our Jacqueline replied, Helen and Riot Girl in the same sentence are unimaginable. Many pondered where the ring landed. Glenn Fullerlove thought in the am, and Andrea Twelves clarified on Rex's barge. Didn't you hear the tinkle? Benjamin Kevin predicted in a field near Bridge Farm where it will bide its time until it's discovered by a grown-up Jack Archer, and the specter of Rob will be back to haunt us from beyond the grave. What else did we talk about this week? There was Brian's 80th birthday party. I and others, such as Suzanne Smith, thought it odd and disappointing, though Jen Reed liked it. Joanne Smith felt that Josh and Paul's entrance was awkward. John McGee wondered why Paul was even there. And Bella Nichols questioned the choice of a penknife as a gift. And our Tracy from California laughed a lot at Jakob's ill-timed question to Helen, Have you tried the salmon? Midweek arrived, Helen was discombobulated, and Dumpty Dummers, such as Jackie Fear and Kate Ameren, celebrated Jim for his support of her. Sue England noted Jim's evolution from Grumpy Old Man, and Helen Blackburn called for more academics in Ambridge. Sandra Jenkinson and Sally Harries noted that discombobulated is one of their favorite words. Julie Ferguson Tompkins agreed and added shenanigans to the list. On Thursday, Al Williams called Ardell a little duck and wanted to give him a big cuddle, but Chris Gibson didn't like how Ardell bowed and scraped and turned into a wreck. Andrea Twelves was concerned that Ardell was heading in for another breakdown, and I put my clinical hat on and pondered a bipolar disorder diagnosis. There was a debate as to whether or not Oliver was being overly harsh towards Ardell. John McGee noted that he didn't think Oliver could be nasty if he tried, but there was agreement that Ian was not very nice. Sandra Sayer said that Ian acts as though he owns the place. After last Friday's shenanigans, to use one of Julie Ferguson Tompkins' favorite words, this week ended on a quieter note with a series of mature conversations. Henry was the star, and Julia Delwich asked how come he is so mature and wondered who his father is. Zoe Picton suggested me. I'm flattered. He did express his interest in psychology, and I look forward to the opportunity to mentor him. Paul Newman and Fiona Kasperish reminded us that when Henry is 18, he will be able to search for his biological father. David Gregg suggested it will be an interesting storyline. Upon that, we can all agree. Unfortunately, we'll be waiting a while for it, five years and a bit, so I'll definitely be talking to you before then. Thank you for that Witherspoon. I'm glad you had Angus Haggis with you to keep the food thing going. And thank you so much to everyone on the Dumpty Dum Facebook group. If you'd like to join them, please do. But don't forget to answer the very easy membership questions so that we know that you're a real person. I think we had some reviews this week, didn't we, Stephen? Yes, we had two. And the first one goes like this. And it's a five-star review on Apple entitled Totally Addicted to This Show which is a perfect companion to the main event, The Wonderful Archers. I've only recently joined the ranks of Archers listeners, so I relish the insights and background that Dumpty Dum provides. Thank you. 
from the Outer Hebrides, Scotland, or, as we say in Gaelic, Tarpa Leiv, and that's from Mary Bell M. I'm glad you read that one out. And the second one is like this. Great listening, five stars. I love listening to Dum Dum alongside the archers. The questions and answers cover so many different aspects of Ambridge life and provide me as a relatively new listener with details and history of the archers, which I really enjoy. And that comes from Laddie113 in Great Britain. Now we're going to go on to Twitter, where you'll find us at Dumpty Dum. Make sure you include the archers hashtag using a capital T and A so the visually impaired who use screen readers can enjoy any archers-based tweets. As well as Dumpty Dum, I can be found at Jberto Sanguen. And I can be found at, at Wenlock House. But we're actually both spending more time discussing the archers on Blue Sky. Where I am at wenlock.bsky.social. And I am at jberto.bsky.social. So let's find out who's won those Twitter medals this week. Tweet, tweet, tiger. <laughs> Hello, Jacqueline, Stephen, and Dumpty Dummers everywhere. It's Purple Pumpkin here with Tweets and Skeets of the Week. And my thanks as ever to Bernadette, Jen, Kate, Winston, and everyone who's tagged at Dumpty Dum to make sure we see all the best ones. This week on Blue Sky, we've seen a lot of discussion of La Femme du Monde, or is it La Femme du Monde? And people confusing it with Les Sœurs of Hers, where Jill threw a flapjack. And there's been quite a lot of appreciation for the interaction between Azra and Ardil, who seem like a real brother and sister. Meanwhile, on Twitter, a thread about Freddy the Meat Evangelist, started by Miranda, had many of the, ahem, worst puns about meat. Truly awful. Boom, boom. And on Blue Sky, there was quite a lot of humorous relief at the end of the Rob storyline. I enjoyed a two-hander between Joe, Joe Bow and Arrow, dot bsky dot social, and Olwyn at ambridgeolwyn.bsky.social. Joe said, Helen, we all want to see the body because we don't believe he's really dead either. While Olwyn said, personally, I think he's the undead. But now to my medals. For Blue Sky Skeets and X posts, all of which we continue to refer to as Tweets of the Week. In bronze position, it's Little Kim, at Little Kim. Helen's eating a biscuit. This is a very British kind of closure. The silver medal is for John Cavanaugh at John Cav 209-22342, who has Tom saying to Helen, All you wanted was to forget about Rob. I'm so sorry, so I'm here to remind you again with flowers. And the gold medal goes to Alternative Archers at Alternate Archer. Adam asks, How was work? And Ian says, it was good. I was stroppy, sarcastic, quite rude, wouldn't listen, stomped about a bit, really helped my manager's mental health. Adam says, normal day then. Well, that's it for this week. Hope to see you all on Twitter or Blue Sky next week. Thank you for that, Theo, and congratulations to all who was mentioned in this week's roundup. And don't forget, we're on Instagram at Dumpty Dum, where Theo also looks after things. We'll both be back again next week, and we'll be recording at the normal time of first thing Saturday morning. 
So please get your calls in by midnight on Friday, UK time. So as we come to the end of this episode, we need to say thanks to all our wonderful contributors and to the whole team who look after our social media and support us in so many invaluable ways. And also to the whole Dumpty Dum community. You make doing this podcast worthwhile. And we must say thank you to Kim Durham and Sunny Ormond for their voices and our podcasting parents, Lucy V. Freeman and Royfield Brown. Thank you so much for listening and joining us today. We're now off to rake up all the leaves on our allotment. So it's goodbye from me. And it's au revoir from me. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.